Hey everyone, what's up? It's your girl Nakia and welcome to the Fearless Kia Podcast. Hey everyone, what's up? It's your girl Fearless Kia. Welcome to another Fearless Friday. So this week's lesson of the week is be intentional with your time. Time is of the essence you have no time to waste. Whatever it is that you're planning to do or you've been planning to do for weeks now, just start. Time is not guaranteed. You know, we're not guaranteed another day on this earth. So whatever it is that your heart desires, just do it. And with that being said, I'll get into this week's guest. This week's guest is the founder of the Creative Collective NYC, a community immersed in culture and dedicated to facilitating brave spaces through curated events for multicultural creatives. Born in her one-bedroom apartment as a means to foster meaningful connection, the CCNYC has since parlayed into one of the fastest-growing communities and niche agencies devoted to creatives of color who are looking to cultivate relationships that go beyond the business card. Members of the CCNYC are presented diverse program offerings from night school, member-taught workshops dedicated to teaching tangible skills to CultureCon, an annual day conference hosted by the CCNYC and filled to the brim with incredible creative shifting culture. By day, she is a senior communication manager at Bravo and Oxygen Media, where she oversees press strategy for various series, including The Real Housewives of Atlanta, Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen, an Emmy-nominated million-dollar listing New York, amongst others. Prior to Bravo and Oxygen, she held a role in the NBC Universal Page program working on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, Saturday Night Live, and The Dr. Oz Show. She has also held positions with the creative artist agency Nickelodeon, Def Jam, and ESPN. It is a pleasure to welcome to the Fearless Kia podcast, the culture queen, Imani Ellis. That was such an amazing introduction. Thank you. Girl, I'm so happy to be here. No, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, I know this is long overdue. We just got off a of culture con. Everything, oh, the dust is settling, girl. Girl. How do you feel? I feel so grateful because I just feel like a dream actual. Like, it was, I feel so grateful just because I feel like there's one thing to have, like, an idea Mm -hmm. but when you're able to work with people and cultivate it to be like a real living breathing thing yeah there's nothing like just standing in that room and just there it is that's what it felt like yeah and now I'm just like dancing skipping around New York City just like relieved yeah and thankful yeah It, it, it was amazing I was actually able to attend and just to see this experience of black creatives all in one room and just connecting and collaborating and sharing this experience as one I mean it was beautiful I was like I've never experienced something like that before like in New York there's a lot of curated events right but something like CultureCon just gave you I like felt so energized and motivated and inspired to walk away and do more and be more and collaborate more with my community. I feel like that's something that, you know, everyone's doing something, but to bring us all in one space and to actually put those people in front of you and to have those conversations, it was amazing. Thank you. And I mean, honestly, because you've been writing with the CCNYC for a long time, and I think that's the magic of it is all these 
individuals who are shifting culture in their own way, who are also our friends. That's the whole point Mm -hmm. is, you know, we had like Gia Peppers and Taylor Rooks and all these extraordinary talents and you put them in one room and it's just like, look how incredible we are. Yeah. Um, Because a lot of these relationships are not new relationships. Like, you know, Kayla Walker was with us last year and a lot of Mark C who did our portraits has been with us since the beginning. Yeah, and Julian Mitchell. Julian Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the beauty. Alex Wolf, Jonathan Jackson, all of these incredible people. Um, you know, we have real relationships with them. And I think that's our goal is to take this platform and just to put the talent there that's already there. Yeah, absolutely. And we will definitely dig in more about the CCMIC and where your vision is for the organization um, for years to come as we delve into today's conversation. But I usually like to start out and asking uh, my guests, what is your deepest fear? Yes. So my deepest fear is to live a life of quiet desperation. Um, and that quote comes from Henry David Thoreau mm-hmm. talking about how most men die with like their song still inside them. And I just, fear and I have this very interesting relationship. I love that that's the name. I love that fearless is just like in the name of your podcast because fear and Imani, we have a very love hate relationship. Um, <laughs> I have a wild imagination, and fear will whisper into my ear, like, nope, not gonna do it. This is the time you mess it up. This is the time. Mm. Um, but I'm also a competitor. So with that pressure, I can perform, but right. I, I hate pressure. Yeah. How did you develop this fear of quiet desperation? Like, I think that's such a unique and interesting. Um, fear when I read it and when you sent it to me I was like wow like this is profound <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like this is profound and so I wanted you to kind of talk us through like how did you develop that fear and where did it stem from I think really it stems from me from like playing it small or not taking every piece of talent that you have and really putting it out there I think the most like tangible example was you know I did ballet for 14 years mm. then I did track for um three and the ju- my junior year, there was a girl who was more senior than me who taught me how to do hurdles, and she was the best in the state. So sh- I was learning from the best to the point where I felt this loyalty to her mm. um, because she had been my teacher. And But when it was time to go to state, no longer was a teacher and student. We were competitors. And I'll never forget, we were in state uh, finals next to each other. We had both killed our individual heats, and now it was time to race each other. Um And the second to last hurdle, I was ahead of her. And I intentionally pulled back, Mm. intentionally, so that she could beat me. Wow. And it was a very knee-jerk reaction. It just felt weird to be beating her. And my brain, my body, I don't know what, decided that she should win. Um, And I have regretted it. Mm. I could have won. I, I, I regretted it. And I, you know, it's not something that I go around telling people because you didn't win. But I never wanted to feel that way again where I knew I could have done better and I didn't. It's just, it stays with you. Yeah. Yeah. Because this fear of that, like, if you beat her, then it. What does that mean? What does that mean? How does that affect our relationship? The right. dynamic of, like, right. the trainer, the teacher, and, and the, the student. Yeah. And yeah. Wow, that's so crazy. Given that desperation, right, this this sense of um, a loss of hope, um, yeah. 
uh, or you're suffering from despair, have you ever been in a position in your life that made you feel that sense of despair? And if so, how did you handle that situation? And what did you learn from it? Oh, for sure. Like, I feel, not to be melodramatic, but I really feel like I've lived, like, ten different lives. (laughs) Um, Just because, like, a lot of, like, highs, a lot of lows. I work in a very high-stress job, you know, where the stakes are not, like, oh, you made a typo. It's like, if you make a mistake, that could cost you, like, a national booking. Um, So I think, you know, in life, in terms of, like, the lows, like, I really just look to people that have come before us because mm. um, I always recognize that, like, I'm not the first to be afraid. I'm not the first to be, you know, overwhelmed. Yeah. So when I feel despair, when I feel hopelessness, sometimes, you know, I don't want to stay there too long, but sometimes you need to, like, sit with it. You can't just act like you're always going to be happy or that life is always going to be great. So sometimes, like, when I'm in that moment, I ask myself, like, what is the lesson that I need to learn here? Yeah. Because if it was always sunny, it's so dramatic. But it's, like, it's so cliche. But if it was always sunny, you know, we would never get rain. You've got to kind of have those highs and lows so that you appreciate it. I think the reason, going back to CultureCon, that I'm so thankful and grateful is because, like, I didn't sleep for the past five months. Like, so right now, to be here, Mm -hmm. I'm just, like, Thanks, God. Like, I'm happy to be here. I really am. And be relaxed. And relaxed. Like, yeah. I'm not stressed. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Well, I was going to ask you to delve a little bit deeper into your story. For those who don't know, like, tell us a little bit about your trajectory. And, and you're from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So how did you end up in New York working for some of the top networks with um, Andy Cohen himself? So Yeah, I am from Atlanta. Yes. I am the daughter of two preacher parents. And... Um, I moved around a lot as a child, but I'm the oldest of four, so I always kind of felt this responsibility to, like, decide what I was going to do with my life, and if I wanted to change my mind, I would change it, but I wanted some sort of plan, so, you know, I thought I was going to be a ballerina. I did ballet for 14 years, Mm -hmm. point. Um, I was the first non-white person to play the main role in the Nutcracker at the Atlanta Ballet in 75 years so like I thought I was going to be a ballerina um but my heart just wasn't in it towards the end and I had Mm -hmm. to like quit and fell into track um got a scholarship to Vanderbilt and said you know I also I don't want to be in the Olympics I think I want to be in entertainment and so just like that I decided I was like I'm gonna move to New York um but I had to work backwards and I knew that in order to play in the biggest arena for entertainment, yeah. you had to have experience. So just started getting internships and I interned, you know, you mentioned Nickelodeon and Def Jam and creative artist agency. And I would always treat it like it was a job. I never acted like I was an intern. I always was there early. I always stayed late. Um, and then after college, I was accepted into the page program I did that for two months, and then I was hired at Bravo. And mm-hmm. so I've been there, oh my God, six years. Um, and day-to-day, I do press for Andy Cohen, Real Housewives of Atlanta. People always ask, so do you talk to the housewives <laughs> every single day? Um, Million-dollar listing. And I love it. I really do love it. Um, I love my job. I love my team. But I also kind of just felt this, like, hole that I just – in terms of, like, the substance of a community that looked like me, um, I couldn't find it. And 
outside of my friend group, I just thought, why don't we have this? Um, and so then, you know, instead of kind of searching all over New York, I just thought, you know, I'm surrounded by some pretty great dynamic people. Yeah. And speak about that. How did you meet? How did you network and meet people here in New York within the entertainment industry that you've cultivated some great relationships with? I think a lot of people always look, you know, at <laughs> the people who are now, quote unquote, in their eyes, made it. And they're like, well, how did this person meet that person? And how did they become friends and that type of thing? But nobody ever really talks about, like, the, the importance of cultivating relationships, but also how to cultivate a meaningful relationship when it comes to your network within NYC. That's such a good question. You know, when I moved here, I didn't know a single person. Not a single person. Same. <laughs> right? I didn't know. And so when I moved here, you know, I I kind of cheated because I interned here every summer. Right. I interned here, and so I kind of started meeting people through internships. But when I moved here, I kind of just... You know, I met people through working with them. I met people through friends. There really isn't, like, a secret sauce to it. I always just say, like, that gravitational pull, mm. you meet who you're supposed to meet. It might be delayed. It might be not exactly when you thought you should have met them. But you find each other. And, you know, I think of my closest friends, um, you know, Lily who worked now, who's now moved to L.A., and Eric Jones, and my friend Michael, and Alex, and... Janae and Kiana and we all just kind of like found each other um one of my really great friends Nabila uh she's the only person we were roommates together okay um and she's on the team at the CCNYC now but we came from Vanderbilt together so we were pages together um but outside of her I just met people I don't know I know that's such a horrible answer um no but it just happens you know like it's it's, it's I don't even know if there's a formula, like you said, or a sauce to it. It just happens. And I think that a lot of people, I remember somebody asked me that recently, like, well, how did you like build this network and how did you like cultivate these relationships? And I was like, you know, I just went out and put myself out there and like right. came a hundred percent authentically me in that situation. Right. And I think when you're first moving to the city, like you should say yes, like say yes. Mm -hmm. Say yes to invitations, say yes to the brunch, say yes to getting coffee, say yes. When I first moved here, I said yes to everything. Mm -hmm. I was at every screening I was invited to. I went to every fashion show. And then later on in life, you can tailor that and say, oh, well, I'm good, but I think you should say yes. Right. Mm -hmm. You can be intentional with your time once you've been here a little bit. But, you know, in the beginning, just branch out. Yes, Go out. <laughs> so then I wanted to ask you, how do you maintain, right? So you've been at a company where it's not – I won't say it's rare, but I do think for millennials, people assume like you're supposed to jump from, you know, two years are there, two years are here, two years are there. Like, how has it been to um, be invested in by a company and literally, you know, grow your career there, but also maintain a busy schedule where you're now an entrepreneur, you know, outside of your nine to five or nine to seven or who knows like mm -hmm. your schedule I'm sure is crazy day to day how do you maintain like a balance and all of that you know I used to listen to interviews where people said that they had figured out how to balance their lives mm -hmm. and I am still working on that um in terms of kind of like maintain like staying at one company I think you know I'll be honest at two years I was like oh am I supposed to leave mm -hmm. um 
but you you really gotta like gosh sounds so disney you have to follow your heart like just because other people feel like they have to leave every two years if you have a manager who's investing in you Mm. who's promoting you who when you ask for something they find ways to make it happen i have like the best boss ever like She's smarter than me, and I'm always learning from her. Yeah. Um, she's challenging me. And when I say, hey, I feel like I'm kind of outgrowing this, you know, she's giving me a bigger pot to grow into. Right. So I never felt like it was time to leave. Now, if I ever feel like stifled, like I'm really not learning here, I'll have to keep going. But as long as they keep pouring into me. I'm going to keep pouring into it. Right. It, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is a beautiful thing. Like, that. that's that's what we all probably strive for, What whatever we do, whether it's a company or we're an entrepreneur, the thing that we're doing, as long as it's, there's an investment and there's value, you know, that's pouring into you and vice versa, why not continue to cultivate that, right? right. Continue to, um, what is it? Um, when it's a seed and you're yeah. going to grow, it's a... Uh, Plant the seed, water the seed. Water the seed. Yes. Continue to water the seed. Yeah. You really, you, you really, you really do. And I, and I think, yeah, if the, the grass is not always greener on the other side, what, what do they say? It's greener where you water it. So. Ooh. Oh. Gems. Look. Right there. <laughs> um, the next question I wanted to ask you even on your, your journey is more so, uh, what sacrifices have you made mm. to get to this point in your life now? Mm. Um, you know, I've always been pretty self-disciplined and I think that outside of my parents and my faith, ballet made me that way. Mm. I think the biggest sacrifices are like these instant gratifications. Like in a city like New York City, we were just talking about it. There's always something happening. And when you're invested in something bigger than yourself, you can't always go to the party Sometimes you have to be like, and you want to. It's not even like you're like, oh, I want to stay in. Like, you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are just bigger things that you need to work on in the moment. So I think just, like, realizing that, like, I'm not always going to be able to be so social as I want to. I love hanging out with my friends. I love going out to, like, dinner and, like, just in investing in people and having them pour into me. But sometimes, like, you have to sit it out. And then I think also – you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, when you are balancing such dynamic positions, mm-hmm. sometimes you're sacrificing, like, yourself. Yes. And that is not healthy. Um, you know, you're not sleeping, you know, depending on how you deal with anxiety, maybe your appetite is curbing, like, and so you've got to, you got to check that by having people around you that can be like, have you eaten? Yeah. Because um, when I get stressed, the first thing that goes, like, I love to eat. If anyone follows me on Instagram, that's all I post about. But when I get stressed, that's the first thing that goes is my appetite. Wow. I can't. So, like, w- when I get stressed, as soon as I'm hungry, I have to eat because I don't know, like, and I get that from my dad. He mm-hmm. told me, he's like, when I get stressed, I don't eat. But, you know, this isn't like days of not eating. It's just like I could be very focused for a solid like five hours. Hours and not like get up no, for a snack or no, anything I'm just like, like that. Focused, right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's important too, right? To say that like sometimes you sacrifice yourself for your own dreams, visions, and goals. And like 
having those accountability partners, those those close friends and, and family to say, girl, did you eat? Mm-hmm. Did you eat today? Did you have three meals? Mm-hmm. Just want to make sure you're okay. Like, you know, you're trying to save the world, change the world, but we want to make sure that, like, you're there fully healthy to, like, see it come to fruition, too. Yeah. So um, I think that was, very like, a very important point that you, you touched upon. Knowing that you've accomplished so much during your time here, with, you said six years so mm-hmm. far, even more because you came as intern, like, during your time here, have you ever been, like, afraid that once you reach your own definition of success that you wouldn't be fulfilled or happy? It's so interesting that you say that because, like, my goal was always to be a publicist at Bravo. I didn't Uh. really dream beyond it Mm. because I thought it was going to take a few more steps. Um, You know, God was so gracious in the fact that, like, I was here for two months and then I got a job at Bravo. Um, I thought I was going to have to work at, like, a few things I didn't want to do and then land at Bravo. So I'm in an interesting place right now because I haven't dreamt beyond my life. Mm. So I don't really have an answer for that. I don't think I think, you know, to me, happiness is more than just like a job, though. Like happiness to me is being able to go to sleep with yourself at night, like having peace, peace, because I haven't always been able to go to sleep. Um, I've been like stressed and I and I've stayed up. And when I can go to sleep, when I can eat, when my body is well, mm. I'm happy. Um when I get to see my family and my friends, and I think I it took me thinking that I knew what success was, and then kind of getting a little bit of it, and I you know I work with so many celebrities and so many people that are on the other side of what people perceive success is, mm-hmm. and when you peek over that mountain, I know that we see it in the Lifetime movies, but it's not always better, um, and the the gag is that until you're happy with yourself, no amount of money. No position will be the fulfillment. But a lot of times it takes for people to get it, to be like, yeah. I'm still not happy. Yeah. Yeah. Or even a person can't make you happy. People. Mm-hmm. You got to just put that out there, too. Because <laughs> some people think you get somebody, and Look. now you, you're happy-go-lucky, and that is Look. not the case. That's not it. That's not it. <laughs> no. So, like, let's talk about the success, though, right? Let's talk yeah. about the CCMYC and CultureCon, mm-hmm. in what ways has the CCMYC exceeded your expectations? Girl, I, what? <laughs> I really thought that we were going to stay in my living room. It was, I mean, I really thought that's what it would be. Um, and it was beautiful in my living room. Um, but I'm telling you, like, when when I, I saw a girl in the train station and she comes up to me and she goes, CultureCon felt like going to church in a Snuggie. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, sis, like. Yes, comfort. There's no, there's just. A message. N- message. There's just no words for that. I think it's um, me and, you know, the CultureCon team, the Creative Collective team, we have a group chat. And we are just constantly in awe of it. But it just goes to show that. That's what happens, like, when there's collaboration, like, mm-hmm. meaningful collaboration with people that you really enjoy working with. You can build something, and it can be fun, 
and the people will come because it, it resonates and it means something to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Speaking of the chat that you have, talk about the importance of the of your tribe mm-hmm. um, and and them helping to carry out your vision of the CCM. I say it started in one bedroom apartment and like look how it has flourished over the years. Like talk about that importance of that tribe. It is. It just can't be expressed enough how important it is. You know, my mom comes to CultureCon every year, the last two years, and she's just like, that team that you guys have built is solid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I have to, I have to say their names because it's just like a beautiful thing. Like, and we all bring such diverse talent and skills. Um, you know, there's Alex, who's just like the creative, like mastermind, just like can see it and can just visualize it. And it's yeah. bigger than anything you've ever imagined. And there's Tannis, who can build the digital space no way in no way that anyone else can. There's Nabila, who I call her my secret weapon. She has the these ideas that just like eat, come out of her. Just like <laughs> it's incredible. There's Tequila, who does all of our volunteers and our PR work. There's Desiree. Who is, I just call Desiree, like, the go-to. She can get any job done. Um, There's Michael, who is the chief heart officer. Michael's, like, the man (laughs) of the people and just, like, always has the heart of the creative collective. There's Andrea, um, who started off as a fellow and is now just, like, I always call her our North Star. She always makes sure that we're on brand, um, in line, um, and that's, like, so, 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 so important. Um, there's Simone, who we just brought on um, as our assistant, who has just like leaps and bounds in terms of like what she's been able to do. And, you know, I just, we're just so strong together. Um, you know, Eric Jones came on to help us with Culture Con, and he's, you know, an Emmy Award booker at Good Morning America. Yeah. Just like incredible stuff. Um, and then, you know, along the way, there's just so many champions. And so, you know, to your point, it did start in my living room, but it would be nothing um, if it didn't have all these aunties and uncles. Yes, to helping s- to carry it through. Like, we got to remember where we going. Yes. Uh, stay on track. And that's amazing because just to see the team, right, everyone you just mentioned working at CultureCon, everybody was poised. Mm-hmm. Everybody was uh, welcoming and Wherever they needed to pitch in, it was like, we're here. Like, what do you need? And I, like, literally observed that. And I wanted to talk to you specifically because being that the Culture Con has elevated, you had Spike Lee last year, you had political commentators like Simone Sanders. This year you had John Legend, Charlamagne Tha God, a lot of heavy hitters, um, celebrity clientele, as well as just people who are, you know, culture change makers in their own right and through it all, in a new venue too, right? In a new venue. So through it all, you remain so poised and like calm. And I literally, I literally was talking to Cyrus. I said, Cyrus, she's just so poised and like calm and like welcoming. It's like, I would be probably going, like, you know, I would probably have so much, I'll be so stressed. I'm like, oh my God, is this right? Is that? And it was just like, that's a skill set that not a lot of people can have in such a, environment where you want everything to just be pulled off flawless right a flawless execution and so I wanted to ask you how do you remain so poised so calm 
so willing to like. I saw you going out to go get the lunch, the lunches to make sure they were out in the back, so checking on, you know, the green room to going into Asia. Like I literally saw you in every moment. It was not without a smile, without a hello to someone, without hey, you even paused even when somebody wanted to stop you, even though you knew you had fifty million other things to do. Like how, girl? How? I had two secret weapons, and I I can't even not say that. So Amber Mayfield, who has become like my mentee slash one of my closest friends, um, was our project manager, throws events for a living, and she was our saving grace. Every detail, we worked together, and she just, it was, yeah, it was a godsend. Mm. And then Brittany Escovito, who has Beyond 8, the production company, those two together made my life that I could just be at the top and be like, yep, I think great. Nope. But they they are professionals. And that is my – you have to surround yourself by people who are doers. You yeah. cannot do it by yourself. So I can't sit here and say, oh, yes, like, I, like Nabila handled the food. It, you know, did I go out and get some bags and bring them in? Yes. But Nabila made sure it happened. You know, Amber – was such an integral part of I can't even say we're going on a spa day in two weeks because (laughs) she deserves it so I just think it's very important like yes I you know I had the vision and yes a lot of you know it's just very important that you guys see that like there were a lot of hands in it. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Amber and Brittany. You guys are my role dogs. Shout out to y'all, because let me tell you. Look. It did nothing. No page was unturned. Everything was just flawless, okay? Oh, that's great. Oh, my goodness. So just, just to wrap up, like, the importance of the CCMIC and programming like CultureCon, why is it so important for us as as a community and generation today for sure you know i think now more than ever Mm -hmm. we have to be in control of our own narrative we have to be the ones who are creating our own spaces it can't always be that we're just going to parties like we should throw them too um that's important for a lot of reasons for the simple fact to show that it can be done that it can start on time that it can be professional the fact that people were surprised that it started on time come on black excellence (laughs) we ran exactly on schedule we wrapped at 6 30 just like the schedule said we would and that is important because all these narratives that are forced into us at even a subliminal level that we can't start on time that it can't be as good that it can't no more. And, you know, again, it also is we're living in this kind of one person at each table to fill a quota. And I just I hate the idea of us having to compete against each other when we bring so many talents to the table. And so we're going to build a huge table and just change the narrative of competing that there can only be one host. There can only be one version, one publicist. There can only be one there can be so many and mm-hmm. we can build this ecosystem. Um, and that's the whole point is that we're stronger together. And we so, are. Yeah. And we can all eat Everyone at can the table. Eat. Everybody can eat at the table. Yes. No leftovers. Like we're all going to be at that table. And so that's when people look at the creative collective, when they look at culture con, like it's important that they know that creatives of color built this. There's no secret, secret backer or like, like, you know, wizard of Oz, like, 
the people that you saw on that stage really built what you're looking at. And yeah. I think that's important to see it, you know? Yeah, and it was flawless. So oh. shout outs to the CCMIC, the whole tribe, the whole team. I mean, Thank you. it definitely uh, left me inspired and motivated to do more, to collaborate with my peers and to continue to flourish, which is like platforms like this where I'm like, I could do so much more. I think I was telling you that at the Founders, the Founders Collective Dinner where mm-hmm. we were um, there. Shout out to Jody for hosting us there. But that was I was so like, dope. We could do so, I could just do so much more. So it definitely has just opened my eyes and my perspective. And I just want to thank you all for, again, once again, hosting such a phenomenal conference. Mm-hmm. To shift gears a little bit, you know, go back into the personal life of mm-hmm. Imani. Um, I wanted to talk about love. Oh, my God. <laughs> and happiness. <laughs> Curveball. <laughs> just shift the gears real yes. quick. We're going to start out mild, and then we'll, you know, work our way there. But uh, do you feel like at this point in your life you are fulfilled? It's such a spectrum. I don't – I'm not satisfied. I'm fulfilled. Right. I gosh, that's kind of counterintuitive, huh? Um, But not – you're not, like, all the way full. Not all the way. But I'm very close. What's that – what's that – Little I think that little bug, bug is just like the, it goes back to the beginning. Like there's always more to do mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, like friendships and like love and relationships in my life. I'm pretty fulfilled, but I think there will always be, at least for the next five years, this part of me that's like, can you be doing more? Yeah. Then why aren't you? Mm. And that is what keeps me going. Um, but in all other ways, I'm fulfilled. That's good. That's good. So are there what, are there personal goals that you're still striving towards that you want to accomplish? And by personal, I mean, like, do you have aspirations to start a family, you know, get married, all of those all those, all those accolades of, you know. For sure. I so want to get married. Um, I don't want to rush that, though. Like, you know, my parents have been married 40 years, and um, it's not something that I take lightly. Like, it has to be my best friend on fire. Like, I need to like him. I need to love him. And I need to respect him and trust him. All of those things together, um, you know, I've had bits and pieces, but it wasn't in one. Not in yeah. It wasn't in one part. Yeah, yeah. Um, TBD on children. Um, I love children. I just, I don't know. I was talking. I was at, at dinner last night, and I just was like, I definitely want to get married. I just don't know about the rest. I'm just gonna <laughs> not put the pressure on myself. And that's fine, you know. Like it's your life. It's your personal. So, like you said, TBD. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know I mean yeah it's like I I'm very um you know it's I'm very people will never believe this and I'm still gonna say it I'm an extroverted introvert I don't need to be in a room of a hundred people I would much prefer to be in a room of like four good friends or even one or go to dinner with you um that's how I approach my relationship so I want to do a better job at like letting people smell the roses while they can like 
you know, just texting people and saying, thinking of you or like, let's get tea or let's get coffee. And that's been my goal um, to just be more intentional with my friendships that I have and not make everything so passive. Like, oh, I just saw her at a screening. So I saw her. I didn't we didn't get to really. Right. Right. That's not the same. And that's really important, too. I'm glad you hit on that because it's so hard to like everybody's so spread out mm-hmm. in the city. And it's like trying to get out with someone that you haven't seen in four months. It's like the schedules, <laughs> the yeah, schedules, but like, like, like I said, even the last night of the week, being more intentional with your time, like really being intentional is like, like, I really want to see you. Mm-hmm. And like, I want me coming and getting up with you to see you. Maybe I had, didn't go to your event, but I'm really want to see you and like, see, how are you? How are you doing? What's, how is everything like really investing in spending time with that person, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the core of it, um, because that stuff is important too. Everybody's dealing with their own <laughs> things, and you don't know with just you know. Okay, I've seen you. Okay, I'll see you at the next event. Right. <laughs> That's see, how it is. see you in three weeks. Like, right. You know. It's so important. Um, so you said you wanted to be married. Mm-hmm. That's something you do. On are you open for love to enter in your life right now? Is that something that you're? For sure. I don't think there's ever like. I think you know. Pastor Carl Lentz at Hillsong said something a few years back, and I always loved it, was that, you know, not to slow down your life, to really be running so fast, and then the person for you, you'll look over and they're running beside you. So I don't see it as like a detour. Yeah. You know? So I feel like if as long as I'm chasing the best version of myself, mm. Come the, on. Be- the best man for myself will be there, and any person who takes away from that is not for me. So I'm... I have no fear of it. I know what's going to happen. I know it's going to be beautiful. And I know that I'll know. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know that you'll know. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I can't wait. I'm yes. going to know. I'm yes. going to be like, you, this is it. Yeah. I can't wait for that. But, again, I love coming home to my one-bedroom apartment to myself. So I'm not rushing it. Girl. The like, <laughs> same. I'm like, <laughs> I have cultivated my space and protected my peace at all costs. Right. So. Every chapter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, we talk about love. I wanted to ask you more on a overall holistic standpoint in your life. When you, when it's all said and done, right? How do you envision leaving your mark on this world? Hmm. Goodness, you know, I, I really want to. I want it to always feel like it felt in my apartment. Mm. I want people to like, I want to change this narrative that I think, I don't know, social media built of just like everything is perfect and we're so happy. It's just not sustainable. I love listening to Oprah Super Soul Sundays because I love seeing people like, you know, Maya Angelou talk about the th- the days that weren't pretty. Yeah, I think that that, keeps you sane because if you're going through something horrible and everyone around you is like no life is always great you literally will be like well then I'm crazy like Mm. so I want to create this culture of just like humanity yeah where life can be so great and beautiful at times but sometimes like it's hard being an entrepreneur is hard no one like told me that part um had they told me I'm not quite so sure I would (laughs) have I don't know 
but that's why they didn't tell you because you were ordained to do this. I'm thankful they knew. But I think there is a beauty in in seeing the humanity in people. So that's what I want to always, you know, leave people with. Yeah. Is like, I'm still figuring it out too. Yeah. Yeah. What has kept you rooted amongst life storms? that have entered in your life despite um everything like what keep what keeps you grounded what keeps you rooted in in your purpose you know uh two things really and two things only um my family my parents um they've just I mean think about it they've known you your entire life yeah so every time you think your world is over they know it's not and you call them and you're like, this is the time. And that's what fear does to you. This is the time you're really going to screw it up. Like, oh, you thought you did an event with 100 people. Okay, but can you do an event with 800? No. That's fear. Mm. And you call your parents and you're like, this is the time. And they're talking you off that ledge. Also, my sisters, I have two sisters. We're all a year apart. Naila, Aisha. Shout out to my little brother, Emmanuel. Um, again, they've known me my entire life. So a lot of people might meet me now and be like, oh my gosh, you're doing this and you're doing that. But they've known me when I was like, I think I'm going to start this little thing. Oh, wow. I think people want to come. So they're able to hold my hand through it. Yeah. And then I think the second thing outside of family is my faith. I mean, you know, I believe in God and I believe in his promise. And um, there are days when I'm just like, it's hard. Um and it's a beautiful thing to like see promises fulfilled and yeah. to see um, how faithful he is. And am I always like, you know, cheery, a cheery Christian and happy? No, sometimes I'm very scared. But I find in moments of like when there's nothing left of me, those are kind of the most beautiful moments because I can't take credit for it. Yeah. I think it's like the most beautiful thing. It's like, you know, Paul said, like, when I am weak, I am strong. Like, there are days when I was overwhelmed and I was like, okay, can't do it. And a miracle would happen. Mm. And there was no way in any shape or form I could take any credit for it. And those are the, like, miraculous days that I'm like, there is something so much bigger than me working here. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of it. And it's important to even speak about that, that faith and that connection with God because, it's, it's really that saying when people say, be careful what you pray for because he will deliver it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, shit, this mm-hmm. is like, not to say God and curse in the same sentence, Lord. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, for real, like, oh, my God, like, I pray for this, you know? Like, even when I didn't think it was, you know, possible, he made a way out of no way. And, mm-hmm. like, there is no – you can't really tie back to a specific point in the plan or where it happened. It just – Oh my gosh, yes. And that's where belief comes into play, right? Like, in that, I think it's the hardest thing that most of us deal with is, do you believe enough? Even It's kind of like a river, and it's about to go downstream. You don't know when it's about to hit downstream. You can't see that far. But do you believe that when you, you know, what you see ahead of you is going to happen? Oh, that's good. You know, it's ironic. My name means faith. And I was like, I have none. I have, like, my Imani means faith. And I'm... I'm the oldest. I'm a Scorpio. I'm A-type. Scorpio! Hey! <laughs> I like to be in control. I like to know what's happening. If I'm not in control, at least let me know the plan. Okay? Like, I can be in the passenger seat if I know where we're going. But you're just driving all around the city? Like, I hate it. And so, you know, especially leading up to CultureCon, there were moments where I just said, I, I really practice faith more than I think I ever have in my life. Um, just because I didn't have any other choice. Um 
And to your point, it's like a beautiful thing. Like when you're able to kind of say, okay, like the space between here and where I want to be, like my prayer is so simple. I just say, God help. Mm-hmm. That's all I say. I say, God help. <laughs> he knows where the, where the, where the big, you know, holes are. Yeah. So. And he comes through at the nick, the last second you'd be like, God. Right. And he comes through every time, every time. I think that's powerful. Yeah. Um, but just to close off the episode, I wanted to ask you, what are your three guiding principles um, just to moving beyond fear in, in, in your pursuit of happiness? Ooh, I would say, you know, just – one would be just gratefulness mm. like because without it you can't really enjoy life the way that it was meant for you right you're always looking for the next thing um it's a shame to get into your 40s and like never have enjoyed a day in your, your 30s like or get into your 30s and never enjoy your 20s i feel like you know we have this tendency to always be looking for what's next so just being grateful like this sounds so crazy but i just like last night i stayed in and i just it was like thankful for like my own space yes and then I think the second one is you know um just like being a giver without respect expecting things in return talk about it I think a lot of times people they don't even maybe it's in their subconscious but they're just like They're giving, expecting to receive. And if you can take that, I think in terms of relationships, people are like, how, you know, going back to your question, how do you cultivate these relationships? You don't really have those expectations that it's transactional. Mm. Like I'm not giving you this or you're giving me that and get like, that will never be fruitful. It might last for a season, but you can't call them up for a favor. So just being a true giver. And then I think the last one would just have to be, you know, having grace with yourself and for others like whenever I'm kind of like oh I'm not doing enough I just look back at like the days that I literally was praying for this moment and I think having grace with other people like you just said you don't know what people are going through so like meeting them where they are not always assuming the worst someone not answering your call not taking it always so personally right just having grace with people having grace with yourself um I think that's important. Very important. Grace is hard. Mm-hmm. People don't know how to, you know, <laughs> give that give that grace to others because in this society, everything is so much about self, you know. And so to be able to like lay down, mm-hmm. lay down that grace and give it to others, it, it's, 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 it takes self discipline. It takes a lot of uh, self reflection. And being able to understand where someone is in their life and know that not everything is about you. Oh, my God. I learned that from my mom. (laughs) My mom has three daughters. She would say, girls, make space for each other. Make room for each other. And bigger than, like, physical space. Just, like, have, you know, have a space in your heart that you're able to kind of see things from where they're seeing them from. Yeah. That empathy it's just, I mean, we need it so much. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've been reading a book and I've been talking about it um, on my Instagram called A Return to Love by Marianne uh, Williamson. Williamson. And it talks about 
walking in your light, honey, and navigating in the darkness. And a lot of those things, you really are checking yourself, you know, in that process. How, what energy are you carrying in certain situations? What, what are you giving off? And like, it has truly changed my perspective and how I see things. And just like the things that stress me out or make me anxious or the things that I get upset about, it's like, relax, mm-hmm. you know, send it up to God mm-hmm. and just keep working on being a better version of you and staying in that positive light, honey. I mean, that's, it, it's so important. And it sounds so simple, you know, but again, it's like, what was it? It's like, when you are happy, you hear the song. When you're sad, you understand the lyrics. It's like, some some of these things you only will learn through life experiences. Yes. So I understand if, like, it doesn't resonate with everyone because it didn't always resonate with me. Um, but you go through a few storms. And again, like, you don't, you don't you weren't thankful to, to be able to sleep at night until you're you can't sleep exactly so now when i can go to sleep i'm like thank you god <laughs> amen <laughs> well i want to close off the episode one by saying thank you so much for making time to come on my platform and share your story i know that you're just busy 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 but i mean it means so much um to me but also uh, to others just to share that story right and to be inspired and to know that you can do anything mm-hmm. no and i think you can do anything don't let race gender uh sexual orientation anything prevent you from being great and living your best life and thank you for this platform i was listening i listened to uh breeze and gia's and you know did my homework and just hearing again it goes back to that humanity hearing like the vulnerable the greats the sad the high the lows and like the why yeah it's really awesome so thank you for having me it's i'm so happy to be oh my god thank you um so i usually close out the episode with a quote that ties back to my guest's fear and so this quote comes from jim mcdonald the gift of willingness is the only thing that stands between the quiet desperation of a disingenuous life and the actualization of unexpressed potential. Ooh, I might be my new favorite. That's good. (laughs) And with that, guys, I'm wishing you nothing but love, light, and many blessings into your weekend. It's your girl, Fearless Kia, and we are out.